When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome. Hope everyone is having a great week. It's uh, hard to believe that February is almost over. God, it goes by quick. We are already into well past now the second uh, half of uh, the first quarter here. But again, uh, here at Sustainable Success, we're all about flow. So again, if you're new to Sustainable Success, you could uh, you found us here at the Voice America Influencers Channel, but you could also visit us on our Facebook page at Sustainable Success 2017. There you'll find many of our great guests that we've had on that provide words of wisdom to not only help you scale in your own personal lives as entrepreneurs and business owners, but also ideas to improve your processes in your business. So uh, today our show is being brought to you today by Empowered Fathers in Action. They are a 501c3 organization dedicated to strengthening the father-son bonding process and helping families to become more interdependent in their behaviors and communication. And they believe that strong interdependent family structures lead to interdependent communities and interdependent business. Check them out at efamovement.org. And again, if you are interested in getting involved uh, or collaborating to help in this particular area, feel free to reach out to them. And again, they're doing some great things here, and they are a strong supporter of sustainable success. Today, we're going to have a great show today. Um, We're going to be talking how uh, friendship can uh, make you sell more. And we have a great guest today, Dr. Winfried Sedhoff, who is going to be discussing that with us. And before I I introduce uh, Winfried, I'm going to give you a background about him. So Dr. Winfried Sedhoff is a family physician and therapist with over 25 years of clinical experience offering guidance and training to patients, colleagues, medical trainees, and the general public. He presents regular courses in overcoming depression, founded upon insights he gained on his internet internal quest to find answers in his early 20s. Many of his clients struggled to find work satisfaction and respect in a company setting. He has a passion for wanting us to all live more lastingly peaceful, satisfying, sustainable lives. The Friendship Key is his third published work, which we'll be hearing about today. And he currently lives in Brisbane, Australia. And without further ado, we welcome Dr. Winfried Sedhoff to the show. Hi, Dr. Sedhoff. How are you doing today? Hi, Chris. I'm doing very well. How are you going? Great. I'm so, so uh, glad that you were able to join us today. And you're joining us from the down under there in Australia. Hope uh, everything is going well. I know there's been a lot of, I guess, fires there down in Australia. But I think that's pretty much over with. But again, I want to... Thank you for joining us and to share your wisdom today with us in this this very important area with uh, friendship. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit before we get into the the topic today, just a little bit about, you know, you know, your background in terms of what, you know, kind of got you started in this area of really addressing, you know, friendship and then really in how that plays an important aspect in our our lives. Yeah, well, look, uh, 
I'll be honest, I grew up being a friendship skeptic. And what I mean by that is that uh, I was always taught that work was more important than anything else. Um, growing up from a German immigrant father, he always taught me that, yes, you've got to put work first and everything else comes second. So I, I always thought that that was what was important in life. And then later on, I started developing some depression, which you hinted at before, because that's what led me to my internal quest to find out a bit more about who I was. And then eventually I started understanding what depression was about in terms of basic human needs and motivations. And then it really hit me that friendship is actually very important and far more important than I was taught. It's important for relationships, but more importantly, just for our general health and well-being. In fact, as you alluded to, I've been treating people for depression for at least 25 years or more. And one of the common things that I find with most people who are suffering depression or feeling down is that there's a lack of connection. There's a lack of community. There's a lack of uh, people of great meaning and depth in their lives that have that depth of friendship that we used to have. So, yeah, it, it sort of led me down the path by helping others to eventually starting writing about this and thinking, hold on a second, friendship can do a bit more than I thought because as I started researching, it can actually help people in lots of ways and, of course, it can help in business as well in ways that I didn't even imagine. Wow, that's fantastic. And I can relate to that myself. I can, you know, I've been always led to believe it was, you know, all about work and, and you know, and I kind of lost the really the sight of what friendship was all about. And I don't even think during the time when I was growing up, I was even my own, I, I could even consider myself my own, my own friend, you know, so I could relate on so many different levels. And so, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I mean, we, you know, today's topic was going to be focusing on how does friendship help us to sell? And, you know, and that can mean a lot of different things that can mean in business, but that could also mean in terms of how we engage other people just in general. So, I wanted to kind of talk about where, you know, where you got this, you know, this drive to really delve into the, you know, the friendship key and then talk a little bit about that, you know, about it from a foundational level and why it's so important in that, how we incorporate that, you know, here in business and in our personal lives. Absolutely. So look, the thing that probably gave me the greatest insight into this is to understand that we come from tribal roots. We are a tribal people and for millions of years we've pretty much lived as small clans, usually a whole group of families uh, or even just interconnected families or our relatives, of groups of about 50 or 60. So pretty much we've evolved to form those kind of close connections. And what was fascinating for me as I started looking at this is I was wondering, if we look at our society today, do we really have many of those levels of close connection? We're, and I'm talking about uh, a friendship where we know the other person's got our back. I mean, we think today that we know what friendship is, but I think we've actually lost that idea. Mm. I think we, we seem to think that friendship, a lot of the time, is just that someone's being nice to you and they don't stab you in the back. But that's not the type of friendships we had. We had close friendships where we knew people could get us, they'd listen to us, they'd understand us, and we could really trust them. And that's the kind of level we had. And so I started learning that, look, this is ultimately what we all are seeking. And even the very first time we meet someone, the very first thing our brain will often do is say, is this person really going to be a friend or are they a potential threat? Because if they're a threat, man, I'm going to stand back because I'm not going to have anything to do with this person. And whereas if we think that they might be a friend, for instance, then we may open up to them. We may even open up to what they say. And of course, if we're thinking about selling, and that includes selling ideas, well, we're far more likely to buy from a friend than we are from an enemy. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, in this case, like you said, I mean, it seems like today friendships if whatever how people perceive that 
is very surfaced. They're not deep. They're not really truly engaging. And a matter of fact, I mean, are they even really friendships to begin with? Are they just something that at the time seemed convenient for that person or both parties, so to speak? So it, it, it's really so important because I, you know, I can see the difference now, not only between how people relate to one another, but even with families. I mean, when families used to get together and were very close and now it's like here in the United States, it's like you're lucky if you see these people, you know, once a year at a holiday. So it, it's, yes. it's kind of similar to that. Would you safe to say? Oh, absolutely. And I think our technology makes it a little bit worse as well. We can even Twitter each other at the dinner table without actually looking at each other in the eye, which is quite bizarre. Yeah. I've seen actually people do that, which is quite interesting. We've trying to, it's like we're trying to use technology as a substitute for actual personal connection. And yet we really don't get that satisfaction like you're talking about being with a family unless it's really person to person. And that's what really makes the difference. Yes, we can use technology, but if we don't use it carefully, it can actually divide us more than unite us. And in some cases, particularly among teenagers, for instance, that can be really an important thing in their lives. Yeah, that's so true. I, I, I agree with that 100 percent. It's so important. And, and, and talk about, again, you know, why, you know, when, when you have like really, truly engaging relationships uh, with people that, you know, again, this, this is like true friendship. You can really understand each other. I mean, obviously, that builds a level of trust. That builds a, a level of credibility. And, and if we're just correlating this over to business, and, I, and this is something I'm a strong believer in, too, and I love to hear your, your, your viewpoint on it, is that, that when people really are engaged with you and trust you and, and there's, that, you know, you have that deeper level of understanding of one another, they're more likely, obviously, to go out of their way to do things. Uh, they're, uh, they're more likely to follow through. They're more likely to care and have vested interest in what you're doing and vice versa and to refer people to you. Oh, that's completely right. I mean, look, I've got one gentleman I've seen who has a construction business, and we taught him about some of the friendship needs, and particularly the one about respect. And one of the ways I like to help people to show respect for each other is to offer choices. So what this gentleman would do is he'd offer his... Um, the other people who are coming in trying to sell him things, um, some choices about um, when he could do it or what options he could buy or other th- times to meet or any choice that he could think of, he would offer them to those to those people he was trying to sell things to him. And in the end, these people actually gave him some of the best bargains ever, actually gave him a lot of freebies as well, which they'd never did before. So he found that the more he was actually respecting and showing respect for others, the more other people's peoples dealt so much better with him, made his business easier, and also made it more profitable for him. So he actually found it enormously powerful. Wow, that that's great. I think and it's so important. And this is like one thing, like I'm a, you know, this is not when you're talking about developing a friendship. And, you know, and making this, I, I'd like you to talk about, I know you, you talk about some like 10 components to this and I kind of want to maybe go, go through those and talk about why consistency is so important. This is an ongoing process to, you know, to further develop and, and build those friendships that could help in so many different ways in your business and personal life. Absolutely. So what I like to look at is when I think of friendship, I think of friendship a bit like a garden or if you want to, just think of it like a nice tree. 
And a nice tree really requires ongoing maintenance. It needs a bit of watering, a bit of fertilizer. And if you're in the garden, it needs a bit of weeding. If we don't take care of it on a regular basis, then it tends to deteriorate and grow out of control. And, and if it's the tree, it may even just die and wither away, which isn't exactly what we want. What the 10 desires of friendship are, or what the 10 components are as I break them down, are really just the fertilizer. They are the things that help nurture the friendship, the glue, if you will, that brings the friendship together and holds it together. And that's the most important thing. There are businesses around the world, some of them that are very successful, and I use an example. We can come to those later. One of them is called Middle Stand Companies in Germany. And one of the things that they focus on is long-term customer loyalty and long-term worker loyalty. So what they're really doing is they're building up long-term friendships. So what you're talking about here is absolute consistency. You're building a trusted relationship where you know the other person can be relied on, but they've also got your back. They're going to help you. They're going to help you with innovation. They're going to help you with helping your own business succeed. You know they've got your back. So what are they doing for you? Well, they're helping you to feel valued because they're giving you the time. I'm just going to give in a couple of examples. They're helping to listen to you. So you actually can have a good talk with them and discussion to find out what it is their needs are and then help develop uh, products or whatever you need to do to help them with their own line. We can help validate their concerns. All of these are basic of the 10 components. So I find we can meet them all, either whether we're dealing with other customers, whether we're dealing with other workers, and even as managers, I find it can be very useful. Wow, that's fantastic. So what are we, like, if there's anything else you want to expand with these components, like, you know, again, that can really make an impact in, you know, our business lives. You know, again, you know, I, you know, a lot of times, again, we can't just rely upon acquaintances as the answer and, you know, and just treat people as numbers, so to speak. You know, if we're going to build a sustainable business, we, again, we, it's not like we're going to be friends with everybody, true friend, like, true friendship, but... How we could do a better job of really cultivating those fr- that that friendship with certain people, and you know building that trust and credibility. Sure. And so, look, I mean, I look at this in terms of what we're trying to build here are what I'd call professional friendships. So we're not trying to be their best buddy. We're not trying to get invited to their daughter's wedding or to the birthday parties. This is about keeping it professional, which means not trying to get involved in emotional issues that are related to each other. We just stick with the business, but we do it in a friendly way. And there are a couple of examples here of the friendship components that can be very useful. For instance, feeling valued and noticed. Um, it, have you, how many people have walked into a store and they end up that the, that the people at the front counter were doing other things, but they never really noticed you? Um, how well did that make you feel and value did they make you feel as a customer? Well, obviously not very well at all. It reminds me of a story of a gentleman I knew who worked for a one of the car manufacturing companies in the parts division. And his manager basically taught them that if when you come across another member, a customer, the first thing you do is you say hello to them and recognize they are there. That, in the terms of the 10 desires, is helping them to feel noticed. It's also helping them to feel valued. And so he would find that this was also a rule that they would use between staff. As you walk past each other, you would say hello to each other, usually by name. That would also help you to feel noticed. Okay, it's better than sort of, you know, treated being treated like the background furniture. So that would help each father feel special. And he found that 
while that manager was still there, the morale of the people felt better. Um, the customer service was better. The customer satisfaction was better. The approval ratings they got were better. Everything improved for the business itself just by focusing on those things. And of course, when they would deal with a customer or any other issues, they'd validate their concerns. The first thing we do when somebody says something to us, even if we disagree, is we still at least validate their concerns. We try and say, okay, well, that is a problem. And if I was in your circumstance, I probably would be concerned about that too. And then we go on and say, okay, well, let's explore this more. And then we can start exploring meeting the other needs. Wow, that's great. That's great. And we got a couple minutes here to uh, the break, but I, you know, and I want to spend some more time in this particular area. So, you know, again, you know, what could be some of the things like if, if, if in a couple minutes we can share Winfried, uh, like how somebody can really start to look at their current friendships they have and not in a way just, you know, because it's for the sake of doing business, but how they can, you know, first, you know, develop them better. That's going to, you know, that they can be more value to their friends. And in essence, those people could also be, you know, very a good, you know, good, not only good to them as a friend, but also as a referral source in their business. What are the first things that somebody could take steps to do? Well, what I like to do is, first of all, when we're dealing with friendship is to recognize in the end, there's only one person we can change, and that's us. So the aim here is not to try and get the other person to meet the needs in us. It is our responsibility to try and meet these needs in them, all 10 of them. The more of them we can meet in someone else, the more friendship needs we meet, the more we are telling their subconscious, hey, look, I'm on your side. Okay, I get you. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here on your side and I want to help. The more we can do that on a subconscious level, the more we open them up to being friends. Of course, we have to have this mindset in ourselves as well of wanting to be friends because if we don't go in there wanting to be friends, we'll have a body language that says to them, hey, maybe you're a threat. And of course, if if we act like a threat, they will treat us like a threat. Next Mm. thing you know, we've actually got someone who isn't a friend and they're going to act like they're not a friend with us. So to me, the first thing is we have to take that responsibility. We've got to be the friend. We've got to be the example. I'm a big believer in what you just said there. I think that, again, we, you know, again, we have to be the example for others to find within themselves to do the things that will align with us in some way that we can do things together and then obviously build and nurture those relationships going forward. It's so important. And again, you know, I always say that you can't control, you can only control what you can control. You can't control, you know, things that are beyond your control. So you have to learn how to let go and just be, be the example and give those people that are important to you the opportunity to grow within themselves, to find within themselves to do it. So, so true. Well, I'm looking forward to finding out more here about, again, how friend, uh, how you could develop your, you know, your friendship to help, help you not only sell, but to become, you know, better in what you do and why you do what in your life. Uh, we have to go to break right now, but we'll be right back again. We're here with Dr. Winfried Setoff, family visit, physician and therapist, and also the, uh, his published work, The Friendship Key, which we'll be learning more about, and we'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. 
Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now... Back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back again. We're here talking about how does friendship help us sell? But, you know, in essence, how does friendship really help shape our lives as well? So with that being said, we're here with uh, expert Dr. Winfried Setoff, again, a family physician and therapist, again, an advocate in this particular area and how friendship can really impact us in business and our personal lives the sustainable way. So, you know, uh, Dr. Setoff, we had left off a little bit about, you know, the impact of friendship and how it can really forge, you know, business relationships and help us in our business. Let's, if you can, share with from your experience some examples of how this has worked very well in real life businesses. Actually, that was something I found quite amazing. I mean, I went from the idea of uh, can this sort of friendship be applied to businesses at all? In fact, it can actually be applied on many levels. One of them is actually on a structural level. If we actually make friendship the priority, which means missing meeting those 10 desires, and we'll just go over a few of them again, feeling valued, noticed, appreciated, heard, validated, respected, supported, protected. There's just some of those important values. And I was wondering, how can you meet those in a business and do they actually exist and are they successful? And to my surprise, as I was doing a bit of research, I found that they actually do exist. Now, one of them I actually highlighted a moment ago, which is, and some of your readers might know about it or listeners may know about this, and that's about what are called middle stand companies. Now, I didn't know about much about these, but these are companies that actually come from Germany. And they're basically loosely defined as companies that earn less than about 50 million euros, and they have about less than 499 employees. Now, that's considered the standard size of their companies. And of the companies in Germany, 99% of the companies there are middle stand companies. Now, the fascinating thing about them for me is how well they did over the last global financial crisis. While American companies and even some in Australia were doing poorly, particularly struggling with debt levels and some of them going under, the middle stand companies weren't. So then I started looking, okay, so what sort of qualities did they have that led them to be not only successful but also very stable? And some of the friendship components actually was what impressed me. So what they were focusing on was long-term customer and and long-term Uh, um, worker loyalty. And what I learned was these are companies that run pretty much flat hierarchies. And when you think about it, in a friendship, 
uh, particularly even an old tribe, if we're starting to apply the old tribal principles. In a tribe, there wasn't much of a hierarchy. Even, yes, they had their tribal leader and they'd call them the chief, but they couldn't give orders. It wasn't one of dictatorship. It was more about consensus. And so what middle stand companies would do is, yes, the strategy of where they would go might be dictated on a more authoritarian level, but operations and everything else were more based on consensus and people actually presenting ideas because it was one of innovation and flexibility. And these are companies that do very, very well. In fact, the top 300 of those companies are actually doing extremely well and making a lot of money, and they've got growth rates of over 11%. They're making 11% growth increased revenue every year, and that's very impressive considering a lot of other companies are doing so badly. And then there was another company that was even that met these desires even better, and some of you may know of this and maybe already hinted to this, and this is one that's probably got democracy down pat. And basically, that's a cooperative. And a cooperative is a company where people own, who work in the business, own the business, and have a say in the business, and the customers own in the business as well. Now, they do particularly well. And if we're wondering about how big cooperatives are, they're becoming more common. They, are, they made over $2 trillion US dollars in 2018. Um, you've got 85 of the top 300 cooperative companies in the United States, 38 in France, 30 in Germany. So they are growing. These are either wholesalers, financial institutions, housing cooperatives, consumers, a lot of different types of cooperatives. But essentially what they are, are these are people who listen to each other, have regular meetings, uh, who don't abuse each other, who set what regular pay is and give each other benefits of any profits they make and spread them more evenly. So yes, what I learned is that you can actually have very, very profitable companies where people treat each other well and you have long-term stability at the same time. Now, that to me sounds like a pretty good deal for any business. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that is a great, great way to illustrate that. And I think, you know, a lot of people like, you know, that may not overlook that. And I'm glad that you were able to provide that insight and really be very illustrative in, in bringing that to light because that is so important. And, uh, and that really supports exactly everything you say. You know, what are some things like based upon those examples that you you gave, like, you know, what some steps like maybe, say, a company could take? You know, it doesn't matter if it's a corporation, if it's a small company, you know, what are some of the things that they could take from those examples that they could start making gradual shifts to uh, what you what you just talked about? Yeah, so what I like to do is use those friendship desires to come up with what I call friendship-friendly characteristics of businesses we can all work towards. And I think we can learn a lot from those two business examples. For instance, if we work on flatter hierarchies, cut back on the middle management and allow the people at the bottom to talk more to the people at top, that can allow a greater sense of flexibility but also improve the management as well. CEOs and managers can learn how to meet those 10 desires better. For instance... A manager or a CEO can spend more time with individual people within the business and listen to them. How powerful would it be if you're a person lower down and the boss actually has a listen to you and what you have to say and takes it on board? That can make an enormous difference to the people and how they feel about the boss and the company and the business itself. And of course, what we're wanting as part of that is that worker-customer loyalty. If we're working towards that, then we're going to retain good staff. And we don't want the business to fall apart. We want it to stay 
um, true and strong. And of course, the other thing we want here that can unify us is to create shared values and goals, have regular meetings and help the group to form common goals. Number five in those lists of desires of friendship is sameness. We like to work to have some things that are similar. It's the commonality between us that grows us together and makes us bond together. So if we can have shared values and goals that we're all working towards, man, that can really unify us and make us feel better, better going to work. And of course, if we're happy going to work, less people getting absent, more chance of better people working effectively. So we're going to much do better that way. And of course, the other thing I like to learn from this friendship stuff is creating a family focus. A lot of those middle stand companies are family businesses, which is why they tend to work so well, but they also have a community focus. And I think that's also important for business. Work towards creating more community engagement. Speak to the people around you. Speak to the community of how you can help the community. Of course, if you help the community, the community is more likely to help you and provide for you as well. And be environmentally responsible. I mean, if we show that we are meeting all these needs and we sell friendship as a positive, imagine how many more customers are going to feel that we're a valued service and are going to prioritize us over someone who's not, who may be degrading and just spending their money, degrading our local environment and sending the money overseas or somewhere else. Whereas if we know that this group of people cares for us, are we more likely to buy from them? So I think if we use these friendship ideas and apply them, both at a, an individual level, at a structural level, we can make big differences and really improve our businesses locally and even internationally. Wow, that's fabulous. I think these are great things. And again, if you are listening and taking notes, I encourage you again to listen to the show in its entirety uh, later today when available on demand because there's a wealth of information that Winfried is sharing here. And perhaps if you hear it again, new information or new insights will sink in that could really impact you of where you are and where you want to be in your business, depending upon your level. If you're the CEO, if you're running a department or you're running a small business, either way, these are all important aspects that could help help you grow your business in a positive uh, and productive way. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Sedoff. I appreciate that. So, um, you know, getting back to, you know, when we look at sustainable success here, you know, you know, life and business are one. That's our philosophy. We believe that what happens in your business affects your personal life. What happens in your personal life affects your business. We also have to address our well-being. When we look at our well-being, that can be emotional, that can be physical, spiritual, financial, how we interact with other people outside of work. It could be our families, friends, that type of thing. Talk about the importance, again, of friendship and why this is an ongoing process to keep nurturing them for, you know, and, and also that impact on our own well-being. What you're pointing out is actually essential. And this is what I learned by treating so many people with depression over the years. The aspects that we often tend to ignore are those related to people. And if we look around our society and you have to think about it, what's the priority? Well, we're not spending the time specifically to try and build friendships. I mean, how many of us even know our neighbors these days? What we're trying to do usually is head for something else that we think is going to give us greater sense of, of value, success, or whatever that may be. And unfortunately, what that can do is lead to an imbalance of where our time is spent. One of the things that I wrote about in an earlier book is what I call a balance for parents. Because if there's any group of people out there struggling to get their, their needs met and prevent depression, and I find this important to prevent depression and, like you say, improve well-being, it's parents. I mean, how time poor are parents? 
got to get the kids ready, get them off to the different classes, uh, extra school curricular activities, and then you've got to work as well. And I mean, if you're owning your own business, you're not going to be spending 40 hours a week. You're talking at 70, 80 hours or more, and that really becomes a burden. Of course, what I like to do, and this is how I treat depression as well, is look at it from the basic human needs point of view. What are these basic human needs that all of us have that increase that sense of fulfillment and satisfaction? And I break them into three main groups or three main groups of desires. Personal self-desires, which are the ones that keep us alive in our own right, hunger, thirst, need for shelter, but essentially knowing who we are, being true and genuine to ourselves. The other one, of course, is family self. And family self is about being part of a family, having a family of our own, of course, getting on well with our partner. And then we have the community self-desires, which are essentially the friendship desires. They include, of course, the friendships we have in business and community and contacts. Now, to me, it's about getting a balance of all those three. And as a patient once put it to me, he said, look, what we're really talking about here is a three-legged stool. Okay, if you've got one leg that's tall, the other's a bit short, man, it's pretty unstable, things are going to pretty much fall off. And that's kind of what this is about. If we're spending all our time only in business, that's going to define who we are. That's Mm. not going to help us meet our sense of self. It's not going to help us with our individuality. It's not going to make us feel good doing hobbies and enjoying our own time. And similarly, if we're spending all that time at work, we're not going to be spending a good time building our friendship with our relationship. And I see a lot of relationships falling apart because we're spending so much time, say, poor paying off a big mortgage. I only saw that the other week a family that was being torn apart because they had a mortgage that was way too big for them and they couldn't spend the time talking to each other anymore, going on holidays and having fun. And these are the basic aspects of friendship. So when we talk about well-being, it's about balance. And I have a list that I have that I can share in that first book that's a balance for parents that everyone can look at about how to spend that time if they're interested. Yeah, I would love to, you know, and and we're going to let people know uh, in the third segment uh, Winfrey, where they can get their hands on the book uh, for that. You made a, gr- a great point again, you know, striking balance where we like to call it harmony, you know, that you, you got to have that harmony between life and business because, like you said, it's like, think of it like a seesaw, right? You, if you're w- one extreme to the other, it's just going to cause everything else to really kind of fall apart eventually. And, you you know, and of course, it's never going to be perfect, uh, balanced on its axis point, but yet you're going to be teetering. You're always giving, you're giving, you know, a little more here, taking a little bit, you know, there's a give or take, so to speak. So totally. shed some insight about striking that the harmony of balance that you were just talking about. So what I like to do is sometimes think of it like some of my colleagues do, and that is if you're in an airplane and worst case scenario, uh, the plane decompresses and yet there's little masks come floating down. Who do you put the mask on first? Well, it's You're, usually... <laughs> you, you, you should, but it's just the child they put it on. <laughs> I know, everyone puts it on the child. Next thing you yes. know, you're passed out and the child's struck. <laughs> so, yeah, what I like to do is to remind us that, look, if we're not looking after us, then we can't be the best to help others. So this is about self-nurturing so that we can be the best we can be, not only for us, but also for people around us at work and elsewhere. And look, if we're struggling with poor sleep, we're doing badly at the rest of our life, we're having relationship problems because we're not putting the effort in, a whole lot of other areas are doing badly. Look, whether we like it or not, even though if we're really good at compartmentalizing, we're going to bring some of that aggro to work. Is that going to affect how how we deal with customers? Almost certainly. Is it going to determine how we work with our colleagues? Quite likely. 
But if so, if we want to bring our best game to work to give us the best chance of succeeding, we really have to look after ourselves really, really well. And of course, personal self means self worth and self respect. That means we put the time in, we do the exercise, we get out there, we look after our body as well as our mind. Maybe we learned it's a good idea to learn a bit of meditation. Maybe we should be doing a little bit of running or jogging or cycling or things that actually can clear our mind of the troubles we do. We do have that from work. There's lots of things we can do to look after ourselves and focus on the family and the kids. And more importantly, which is what I focus on with the friendship, is look, I like, like guys to hang out with their mates and I like women to hang out with their girlfriends and each of them to do it on a regular basis because that kind of builds us up, gives us a bit of extra strength. And we can talk to people who are of the same sex about topics we can't talk to our wife or our partner about. It's just something that I find that is powerful. It can build our strength and it can help us get on with our life and improve our life during our business day. I, I agree. I think like what you had stated, if you know, we could take ownership and responsibility for certain things that would not only help us, but we can then be a better example and be more value to those to our friends. And it goes vice versa. So this is like a give or take, right? So we're always we're always, you know, the student and the teacher simultaneously. And, you know, this is really helps us to, you know, to keep that harmony, strike that harmony or balance. That's going to be necessary in achieving uh, success in our personal lives in, in, and business. So it's so so important. Any other uh, any other things that you would like to state? You know, in this particular area of uh, balance between our 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 personal lives and business. Yeah, look, let's let's remember, of course, not to forget why we're doing this. Um, our goals are really important in this. And what I like some people to do is if they're struggling and maybe they're feeling not so good and not sure where they're going, then maybe it's a good idea that every now and again, we just sit down and write a list of values. What are the things that are most important to us? I like to most people to do this because I think if we don't have a goal that we're striving for, whether in business or life, then we can actually not feel very good about where we're going. It's like we're living Groundhog Day. It's like the same thing over and over again, and it's not really meaningful for us. But if we can find a goal that is ours, that is our passion, then it can make a huge difference in our lives. So what I like to do is to help people to write down a list of their values, write down what's really important to you. And, you know, look, one of the commonest ones I get, oh, family is most important to me by far. And I get that a lot, which is fine. But then I ask, fine, how much time do you actually spend with your family? And the usual answer, uh, yeah, probably not that much. Yeah. Okay, but I'm, <laughs> all right, but, but, but I'm earning all this money for them. Yes, but from a child's point of view, what's the most valuable thing that a child can get from their parent? Their engagement. Oh, yep. Exactly, yep. their time. That's the thing. We keep forgetting what these important yeah. things are and how important they are in their growing lives. So to me, I like to get back to basics. Get back to the basics of who we are as human yep. beings and just work on that. Uh, I think that is so important. Uh, again, you know, assessing those those core values and principles are so important. And, and something here at Sustainable Success, we strongly uh, stand behind and support. So thank you, uh, Winfried, for bringing that up because that is so important here. And you're really uh, you know, shedding insight of really the, the you know how friendship can just impact so many aspects. Of, of, of sustainable success in our lives and business. So thank you for that. We got more to come with Dr. Setoff here. 
Uh, we're going to be heading into our, our next break here. But when we come back, we're going to be uh, sharing some more insights what we where we left off, also from his friendship key. So, again, we have more to come, and we'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to sustainable success. Well, welcome back again. We're talking about how does friendship help us to sell and, again, the impact that it has in our personal lives and business. Again, we are with our guest expert, Dr. Winfried Setoff. Again, our show is being brought to you today by Empowered Fathers in Action. Again, you can uh, learn more about them at www.efamovement.org. That's efamovement.org. So, uh, Doctor Setoff, we, you know, we had talked. Uh, you went into a wealth of information here about friendship in terms of business and how this really impacts our personal well-being. Let's talk about some issues that you know that uh, that are occurring globally. I mean, I know that that they're global, but even here in the U.S., I mean, it's in the news all the time, and it's the issue of bullying. And so, let's talk about the issue, and then obviously how friendship could play a role in helping offset this problem. Yeah, it's interesting with bullying. And I, as a doctor, I actually see a lot of people from lots of businesses getting bullied these days. And if the statistics aren't very good either. I think most people either, it's, I think it's up to 70% or more either have been bullied or know someone who has been bullied at work, at their workplace. So bullying has become quite a problem. And we're talking, of course, about people either giving us bad comments. It can be socially excluding us. It can be so if uh, if there's a social event, for instance, we know that people can um, actually exclude us from that event, which makes us feel lonely and makes us feel worse. Um, they can give us derogatory comments. Uh, they can spread rumors about us. There's a whole lot of ways. And, of course, now we've got technology as well, so they can put horrible things about us on the Internet as well. And bullying has become rife, not only in business but in school. And, of course, we're now seeing it on the Internet with trolling. It's become a horrible, horrible yeah. scenario. Okay, way too common. So the question I often ask is, fine, how can we use friendship 
to help prevent the bullying. Now, look, in our personal lives, of course, if we're going to be friends or we meet friendship needs with people, then look, who's going to, if we're friends, we're not going to bully each other. The bottom line is, if you're a friend, you're going to respect each other. And respect means taking care for each other, which means we don't bully. So by definition, if we're friends with each other and we work to meeting those friendship needs on a regular basis, then the number one rule is you don't treat anybody else other than the way you would like to be treated with the same sort of level of respect. So to me, I think on a friendship level as an individual, that's very important. Now, on a work level, I find that there are ways we can actually reduce bullying. And to me, it's got to start from the management down. If we have a business that is one that is based on competition, on brutal competition getting to the top, and I've seen businesses like that, man, the backstabbing, the um, the horribleness, uh, it just gets out of control. And I have seen so many people having to take stress leave off because of that kind of toxic competition. So to me, this is where I prefer we start developing some friendship principles. If we work better as a team and we work as a team, we can be more productive and the team can actually present and individuals can present their better half to the, to the business. They can actually improve the business and improve the capability of the business. So what I like to do is to work on um, trying to find ways of increasing those meeting of those 10 desires in every business. And there are a couple of ways we can do this. So I have a little list that I like to use and I write about it in the book if people are interested. First thing I'd probably recommend, grab yourself a copy of the 10 desires, frame them, pop them up on the wall somewhere and let everybody know this is what we work by. I actually have a little list on my webpage, which we can talk about later. You can download the list, has a little summary there for you, pop it on a wall, have a talk about every all to the staff about it. You can all work on ways of increasing those 10 desires among each other. The other thing I like to do is to integrate those ideas of meeting those 10 desires, which include respect and validation, all of those things, caring for each other, and put them in your charter. Put them in your mission statement. Put them in the job descriptions. Make it clearly known that this is the business, this is what you do, and these things are important. Because if these things become important, then the bullying is likely to go away almost certainly because it will not be tolerated. Of course, yes, you can have guidelines for bullying, which are important. Okay, so what to do if there is bullying and deal with them as quickly as possible. Uh, But ideally, what we want is to prevent them in the first place. And that's where helping meet those 10 desires comes in. Have regular staff meetings. Get everyone to see how, where we can improve on meeting those 10 desires and promote and sell the positives that say, look, meeting these 10 desires makes us a better business. It is something that is attractive to everybody. It means we're an ethical business. We're taking responsibility. We're caring for the environment and other people and sell it. Make it a sell product, just like we do green at the moment. If you sell environmental green movement, get a bit of greenwash, hey, people are more likely to buy from you. So there are lots of ways we can actually use those 10 desires in business to help prevent bullying and improve the quality of life for all of us so that we actually want to be there among our colleagues. I agree. And and would it be safe to say that, you know, hey, you know, you can't sit on the sidelines and think that somebody else is going to take the initiative and get that ball rolling. We got, we got to be the change. We got to be the example. And, Uh, regardless of who starts it first, that we got to take that responsibility. Would that be safe to say, uh, Winfrey? Oh, that's very safe to say. Look, if you've got a management that's being a pain in the butt, hey, if enough of you below start setting up a bit of an example, then maybe some of the management might learn. And of course, if you have a management meeting, 
there's a time to bring it up. And of course, if you don't like the business because they're always abusing you and treating you badly, well, maybe we just have to think about moving to a business that actually does respect us because there are ones out there that actually do. No, that's so true. So true. And I think this is something that, like I said, many organizations, uh, schools, communities, whatever the case may be, that really should take seriously because this has such a, a, a dramatic impact on not only somebody's development, but also even in this case here in the workplace as well in terms of performance as well. I mean, these are the key areas that we that need to be t- taken a look at. So um, with that being said, I mean, what could be some steps, you know, like, you know, if somebody's listening right now and this could be a particular issue, like what could be some of the first steps that they could do? You know, maybe it gathering awareness like they're doing right now from you. Um, like I said, I know you ha- you're off, you're going to provide that that link um, later here. I want to leave enough time to make sure that they could capture that information. But what are some other things that they could do to, you know, at least, you know, take, you know, grab, get this information, start doing something? Well, look, first of all, it's, you're right. First of all, it's about information gathering, okay? Become self-aware. Have a look at around the people and have a talk to the people around you and ask them, is this bullying or is intimidation a problem in our workplace? Or even better still, maybe create a discussion about friendship in the workplace. But what I like to do also with friendship is to clarify in business what friendship means. I had a lady come to see me you know, very recently, and one of the problems that happened with her is she, her friends at work became her only friendship network. And so she started to develop, tried to develop close friendships with them. And she thought because they were going to each other's birthdays and other social events together, that this was her true group of friends. Then something bad happened and she didn't get the support she needed and suddenly she had this bad wake-up call that, hold on, these people aren't my real friends anyway. And then she felt really terrible and then had to leave the business. So what I like to remind us all is that when we're in business, we're not talking about the friendships necessary that we have outside. We're talking about a professional friendship here. Because if we think that all the people around us are our true close friends, and look, some of them may be, we may have developed that level, but a lot of the time we're not. We can be friendly with people, but they can be more of a we can they be more casual friends. And by being casual friends, we can get on well with each other, but we can't expect them to be our bosom buddies. We can't expect them to meet all those needs that our top friends can. And we don't need a lot of good friends. We only need about four or five really close ones, but we don't necessarily going to find it at work. But as long as we remind ourselves that that's our aim, and our aim here is not to create a whole group of close friends at work either, because remember, like we said before, friendship is something that we have to grow and nurture, and we don't have the time to grow it with everybody at work, particularly if you've got 30 or 100 people at work. Man, you're going to be really struggling to make that many really close friends. So I'd probably just keep them pretty casual. Yeah, I agree. That's asking a lot, right? But And again... And maybe we could just touch upon this uh, briefly because I want to leave enough time here to spend time where people can get the ten the ten uh, components uh, where people can find that your information and all that. But you know, talk about uh, you know just briefly, for maybe even if it's for a minute, um, you know about you know maybe the, the, that word expectation that too many times we 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 were, were attached to the outcomes of things and because of expectations that we should really just embrace the process. And let that process be the you know lead to the the desired results we seek. You know, we can control what we can and let go of what we can. You make a great point, and that is that our mind loves to anticipate what's going to happen next. So what it's often doing 
is creating a lot of fantasies and expectations that can be very unrealistic. And this is what happens actually in relationships as well. Uh, I often talk about when we first fall in love with someone, what we're really falling for is the dream or expectation of who we want them to be. We love the idea of what they might satisfy and fulfill for us, but then it takes a while. It may take years for us to really know who they really are. Now, this is something we, we always do, and our brain does this on a regular basis because it likes to take shortcuts. Because if it already knows what's happening, then it doesn't have to create all these new connections all the time. It just validates the ones that are there. So we can do this almost anywhere. We can do it at work. We can have expectations of what people are supposed to be like, how they should behave, what they can do, what they're supposed to do, and then we can find ourselves easily disappointed. So like you say, what's a good, good idea is a lot of the time is to keep this open mind about who people are and what they're about. Let them show themselves over time. Show your best self, show the friendship that you're offering, and then see how people react. And always, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt as well. I mean, we don't know what they're yeah. going through in their lives, what hardships they're going through. So why not give them a benefit of the doubt as well? I mean, clearly, if someone abuses you a few times, maybe it's three strikes and you may just have to stay away from them. But a lot of the time, it's if we find out what they're really going on in their lives and be more sympathetic, we can find out something different that may change our minds about what these people are going, what's going on with them and who they really are. And maybe we do want to be friends with them after all. Absolutely. So important. I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Winfried Setoff, for joining us today. I mean, you were just a breath of fresh air today in terms of the insights that you had shared. It's just so enlightening and taking time. I mean, you're calling from Australia here. Here we're based in New York. Just a wealth of information. And we want to make sure that people uh, get in touch with you. So we want to just let people know, you know, where people can find you and if there's anything that you know you want to direct them to to get some information that could further, you know, add value to what we discussed today. Yes, yeah, so my webpage is my name.com. So it's W I N F R I E D S E D H O F Fred.com. And so they can look up there, and if they go to the media section, they'll find out where that handout is, so that summary of the 10 desires for them. And look, feel free to make your own little summary, uh, put a little uh, comic or whatever else you need, little diagrams there to kind of remind people what you're trying to do. And try and I look, I just encourage engagement. If you want to have a chat about it, please feel free to leave a message on the webpage for me. Um, but yeah, let's let's get this friendship happening because I think if we can get it moving in the business, we can get it happening in lots of places in life and maybe it can make a big difference elsewhere as well. No, it's so true. So, so true. And I can't thank you enough. And again, we highly encourage you again to listen to this episode on demand later today. There was a wealth of information here. So again, there's a lot of things that could really, really allow you to uh, pivot and make a change in not only your business, but also your personal life. And again, we highly encourage you to reach out to uh, Winfried in regards to any of these partic this particular areas that his insight and his uh, expertise could help you further move along, uh, not only in your business, but personal life. Uh, thank you again, uh, Dr. Setoff. And again, guests, we want to thank you for joining us each and every week, the Sustainable Success Way, because our, the show would not be where it's at today if it wasn't for you. And of course, our great guests that we bring on each and every week to provide value that helps in your business. We want to thank you again for uh, you know uh, joining us each and every week. And we wish you and everyone that you impact a great rest of your week. 
And again, we will be back next Thursday with another guest that will be discussing certain things on uh, living with the intent. So a lot of things that we will kind of elaborate on, uh, kind of where we left off here with Dr. Setoff, which is uh, great information. Again, check out this episode later today on demand. There is a wealth of information here, and we highly encourage you to reach out to uh, Winfried. Thank you so much, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.